Hit the button. Hit the button? <laughs> yeah. What does that do? That's better. Hey, everyone. We're back. Red lights. <laughs> In this case, it's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. Who Great. are you? I'm Guitar Ted, your host with New York Roll. This is episode number 106. No, 107. Is it? I have 106. Uh, I believe we did 106 with Lake McBride. Oh. Okay, this is 107 then. Should I just scratch us and start over again? (laughs) (laughs) Do-overs. Mulligan. First off, I want to apologize for my voice because I'm coming off a head cold, so I may sound a little different. So that's what's going on there. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is another Riding Gravel Radio Ranch sponsored by Bike Rags. Bike Rags is your source for any promotional materials for your team, for your event, for your club. Actually, Bike Rags is having a sale now. Did you know that? Yes, only because, good segue, only because I'm on their email distribution. <laughs> so, you want sales? Get on their email distribution at Bike Rags. Yep, bikeragsapparel.com. Uh, right now, they are offering 10% off uh, any apparel item and 5% off uh, any um, promotional items purchased now through December 23rd. Uh, just use the uh, promotional um, code last call when you uh, get a hold of them. That's last call, all one word. And uh, get a hold of bikeragsapparel.com and see what they can do for you. Thank you for sponsoring the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. And today we're fueled by Topo Chico. (laughs) (laughs) Finally found some. Yeah, yeah. It was an adventure in and of itself. Yeah. I had to go to the local Mexican grocery store and I think I found the secret stash. Yep. So I think we're going to have a source of that now. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, I got some sideways looks. Like, what does he know about our Topo Chico? <laughs> it was not proudly displayed. I had to. Yeah, it was an adventure. It was a scavenger hunt, but yeah. I knew they had it. That's right. So we're going to be uh, swilling that while we're doing this podcast today. Um, first off, I want to do uh, another episode of our gravel amplifier, which we've done before. If you're not familiar with that, the Gravel Amplifier is uh, where we take an event that normally wouldn't get any big promotion on normal cycling channels like your magazines and websites and such, and we amplify their message here on the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. So we've got a few events today that we're going to talk about. The first off is going to be the Haywood Ride. You know what that is, don't you? Uh, I don't think they would like my correlation, but I'll just say Almanzo 2.0. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So for those of you who uh, aren't familiar, um, the Almanzo was started by Chris Gogan. Um, <clears throat> he left for a time from running that event and then came back and moved it from its traditional Spring Valley, Minnesota location to Northfield, Minnesota. And then he turned it over to some folks up there that run what's called the Haywood ride. Now that's the short and sweet version of that. Yep. But essentially it's basically much like the Almanzo was. Yeah. I, I would compare it to kind of what, uh, 
I know you don't like this, but it's kind of like uh, Iowa Wind and Rock to Trans Iowa. Different race director, same mm-hmm. vibe, same feel, yep. same concept, but yep. more most importantly, different race director. And again, we'll put on the uh, we'll put these links in the show notes. So if you uh, are listening to this and you want to find out more, um, the link will be in the show notes. And I believe you did an interview years ago with Marty. Actually, that was right before COVID hit. So don't <laughs> talk to Marty and spare us the next pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was right at the end of February uh, when I interviewed him about that. Was going to be the first year they did that? He yep. would ride. I don't think they had it due to the pandemic, but they did the next year. They had a kind of a muted version of it last year. And this year would be. It would have been the full first full-blown version of it. And then, of course, they're going to do it again next year. So that's why we're talking about it here. Uh, next up on that list is uh, an event called the Winston County Gravel Cup. Have you heard of that one? No, but my feelers feel like that's out in North Carolina. Wrong. <laughs> okay. Winston is a um, conjunction of Winona and Houston. Oh, which just are, north of us. Which are towns up in southeastern <clears throat> Minnesota. Right? Okay. <clears throat> I was thinking Winston Tobacco and... Well, that's the vibe they're putting out with that name. Yeah. <laughs> Their logo looks very much like a <laughs> cigarette that you may have seen before. Uh, so Winston County Gravel Cup is uh, held up there in Houston, Minnesota. Um <laughs> It looks like a, a fairly low-key event, but it's run on much the same uh, type of roads that some of the other southeastern Minnesota gravel events like Ragnarok 105 and yeah. things like that have been done on. So should be pretty hilly, um, real nice low-key event. So I wanted to give them a shout-out. You know, that would be a great race name, going vintage cigarettes, doing a lucky strike, no filter. <laughs> And go single speed. Yeah. Someone make that happen. Yeah, I'll show a, up. That's a good one. Yeah. Free free <laughs> ideas from New York Roll. There you go. Okay. The other one, and I've talked to this uh, group too. I've interviewed uh, these people before. Uh, the Mississippi Gravel Cup Series, which happens down in Mississippi. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you did an interview with him on Riding Gravel 2018. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... Uh, so it's a series of like four or five events. All of them are located pretty much in Mississippi uh, throughout the wintertime. So if you're looking for something to do, um, that's something you could do coming up soon in decent, pretty decent weather. And Mississippi's an easy two-day drive from yep. Iowa. Yep. Or most places on the east coast, yeah. you know, or the southeast. Yep. So definitely look that up. And like Again, we'll have that, that in the show notes. So, um, this is something that came up here a little while back, but I wanted to bring it up because I think it's really interesting, and I'm calling this segment Lucrative Gravel. So money. Money. Yeah, so <laughs> I, found that, I found this on Twitter. Um, Amanda Nauman is a gravel racer from California, does a podcast called The Grodio. Okay. Um, and this was a quote from that um, on I found on social media. 
But um, um, what's that? What's that? What, what's McElvin's first name? Something Payson. Payson McElvin was quoted as saying, "In his estimation, there are a handful of gravel racers doing pretty deep six figures as far as um, salaries." Deep tells me they're past the five number. Yeah, I would think that's that. When I read that, I my jaw hit the floor. I mean, I could see. You know, I'm I'm thinking like you know, thirty thousand to fifty thousand would be incredible. Well, have you seen some of these camper vans? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's just I mean, that you get a Mercedes me. base that's like seventy k, and you have even put a sleeping bag in there yet. I know it. And some of those guys are driving those around, aren't they? Yeah, and they customize them. They you know mm-hmm. they buy the buy. I'll I'll be quiet, but by the time you get one of those. Mercedes Sprinter vans up and going, you're probably looking at 120. Right. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. So you add that, <clears throat> add on the uh, fuel costs. I imagine they would be burning diesel. I would. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so probably looking at 22 miles per gallon at five bucks a hit. I mean, it kind of takes a bankroll to make that one happen. Right, just to drive around, right? <laughs> Just to get to point A to point B, yeah. Or yeah, you got to figure they got to mm-hmm. fly places sometimes. So, and I'm sure that's not a common salary. There's probably just there are very few, if even anybody is. I still find that rather shocking that anybody could even be making that much money on riding gravel I, uh, events. Depends on who their sponsors are. I, I don't doubt it, but... I see even the good ones struggling to eke it out past a hundred K. Yeah, I do too. And you know, let's, let's just say that most of them are going to be somewhere between 50 and a hundred K that are on the pro level that are making money. And I don't think there's, that's probably just a handful of people. I don't think this is a lot of people. Uh, But when you look at, when you start to think about that, then it starts to make sense when, you hear the complaints from the pros that so-and-so is, you know, not doing things the way that I think they should be done because it's not fair and uh, arrow bars and, you know, not stopping at feed stations and, you know, all these goofy complaints that you hear because it comes down to that. It it means the difference between not making a lot of money and making a lot of money, (laughs) And you know, Keeping your job, you know, because that, that probably yeah. gets reviewed year by year. I'm sure that's not a five-year contract or anything, you know, when you're making that kind of money. I mean, let's say let's say Payson's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it out there. <clears throat> At that point, just because you're making a half a million dollars, let's let's take that deep number and say it's a half a million dollars. Do you hire people to be around you? Do you hire a social media manager, PR manager? Because at that point, it's kind of real money. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone who works, you know, for a minimum wage. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying, like, at that point, you should start thinking about yourself as an enterprise. and I'm I'm sure a lot of them do. Well, a lot. The few that do make that sort of money probably so, are. So know. let's say he's at a half a million dollars. Let's say he goes and he 
hire someone at 50k a year to manage you mm-hmm. know social media accounts manage manage mm-hmm. the contracts i would think that a lot of them are probably um doing a, a deal where there is significant of the others are helping with that I you think I'm saying I think Morgan's taking the cover photo of us <laughs> next to the fireplace with Ella sleeping while we're podcasting. <laughs> we're going to be famous. <laughs> right? So I don't know. I just still find that rather amazing that that could even be a possibility. But I, if it is, it would it would explain a lot of the goofy Things that I've seen over the past year and a half with the complaints about seemingly random things. Yeah. You know. And I, I've i joked around, but I'm also kind of serious about saying uh, putting the word gravel in your marketing is about the equivalent of using the word extreme from the double lots. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Or the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Extreme. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's... Yeah, there's money there. Someone's doing it. Right. Yeah. And that would explain why the industry's gone bananas for gravel, everything. But that's not what we're about. No, we don't care about gravel. (laughs) Well, we care about gravel, but we're doing things like gravel amplifier. Right. We interview people that probably wouldn't, you know, get out on a national Their main gig isn't, isn't making money off gravel right. events or riding gravel or things like that. And right. if you can make a living at doing something you love, hey, well, go for it. Yeah. But I will yuck your yum along the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of pure jealousy. Right. <laughs> so kind of along the same lines, uh, the New Yorker ran a story about um, uh, that Mo oh, yeah. trial thing. And uh, there was a quote that came out of the article that they wrote on the New Yorker. It says, gravel racing and American innovation allowed an elite uh, contest to be underwritten by the people who lose. And I thought that was an interesting. um, Can you read that again? Gravel racing and American innovation allowed an elite contest to be underwritten by the people who lose. And that kind of goes hand in hand with this, you know, deep six figure salary thing. Yeah. Because who's paying that salary? I was trying to stay away from that diatribe. <laughs> it goes back poke, to poke, poke. <laughs> goes back to like one of my first episodes with you where I say I will pay for my race entry because I right. just you know, I, I if they're really making six figures, that pisses me off even more that they're getting in for free. Yeah, um, or comped by in any kind of way. Comp yeah. free, what, however you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> that irks me even more. Mm-hmm. They're not investing anything other than time. Right. They got no cash on the table. Oh, they had to pay to get there. Oh, you have a cool lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I, I, it goes back to if we're really serious about getting butts in the seats as cyclists, the industry needs to stop glamorizing and stop paying for things and start lowering the costs of their product. Right. But, you know, that's economics one-on-one. And they'll come back and be like, oh, but the marketing. Um, Instagram's a great marketing tool. How many people you follow that are pushing product for people and you know for a fact they're not making anything off it? Hashtag free marketing. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so this kind of brings up something that happened on Twitter last night. Um, Amanda Nauman again <laughs> was uh, asking, um, you know, how should social media be used to help promote events um, and how can that be done in such a way that it's advantageous for uh, the event promoters and athletes and I said my answer to her was define your audience are they mostly male white middle-aged cyclist or the choir or would you like to reach non-cyclists with a story that will inspire them to try gravel for or cycling in general one is a well-trodden street the other has a lot bigger potential so like you just said you know are we going to keep doing things the same old same old way um, because you know, this rock star lifestyle thing was, it's not a new thing. It's, no. it's been around since the mountain bike days, you know, when the mountain bikers got sponsored and had vans and ran around and, I mean, know. we had a very famous cyclist out of Austin, Texas in the late nineties, early aughts, marry a rock star. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> I won't name him. <laughs> He who shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just think that's kind of, you know, goes right hand in hand with this uh, New Yorker article and the quote that I read earlier. Yeah. I. It just goes back to what I have always felt is with how we have social media, do we really need to be paying for um, companies overhead for marketing by them sponsoring riders directly. Um, I'm not gonna make fun of the Tour de France. I get that, but far as gravel, I think Pana Racer did a pretty okay switch. They had a racing team, yeah, and they said, you know what, we're gonna do influencers or ambassadors. I forgot their exact wordage. Yeah, and they dropped the team. Yeah, and. Yeah. You know, their tire prices are staying still staying around forty five to sixty dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, and I see people hashtag Panaracer all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, they went more for they quit sponsoring the team and they kinda went out and did more event uh activation. And this goes back um I'll make fun of rule three a little bit. Um that's a guy we should give a call to down there, Andy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'll make fun of Rule 3. Um, one of his lines in his uh, manifesto, I believe he calls it the Rule 3 manifesto, is he asked the industry to put money into the event. And I think he should be more Chris Scogan, like open the doors to the event, have a free event, and have the industry pay for the insurance, pay for the swag, you know, have the industry push product that way. Right. Versus you throwing down, I think I paid 70 bucks for that entry. I'm guessing off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, it was between 70 to 100. Wasn't a lot of scratch, but um, if you're really serious about opening cycling up, I don't think you need to have a race. I think you need to have a ride. Yeah. And like I did last year with the um, Bike Collective and other local ride organizations in the area, we did the the Bridges ride, made it free, got sponsors, 
uh, Hall's bicycle shop over there, gave us 500 bucks in cash and said, don't care. It's going to a good day. Right. And, you know, with that, we rented a handicapped porta potty for one of the trailhead stops so people could change. And, um, you know, we gave away a lot of good stuff. But we got how many people out on the bikes that day? I think we counted 250 heads. Yeah. Um, I think if we're going to get serious about butts and seats, that's the direction we need to go. Yeah. And it wasn't a race. We provided a route. Right. We just cared that you showed up at a depot and listened mm-hmm. to a band at some point. <laughs> well, and, and that's that's something that's going to appeal to people who aren't traditionally thought of as uh, racers, okay, Correct. on bicycles. Um, and that's another reason why I um, why I thought that um, the whole the whole deal with what Amanda Nauman was asking about last night on Twitter. Uh, you know, how do you promote these on social media and how do you do the events? Well you know, what, what audience do you want to grow? Well, yeah. What's I mean, your intent? I mean, if you keep talking to the same people all the time, that pie is only going to get so big and they're pretty much there now. They're yep. not going to be able to squeeze much more juice out of that. So, and like you said, the industry makes a big deal about putting more butts on bikes and that kind of talk. So why not make it make your message reach those people who are sitting in an SUV and in bumper to bumper traffic and yeah. appeal to them, you know, appeal yeah. to that person. Hey, get out of that tin can and that urban nightmare that you're in and come on out and listen to a band and and uh, have some food and maybe you ride your bike around in the country a little bit and, you know, forget about your stress. And yeah. that may, maybe make that be the message instead of, watch these pros go super fast on gravel and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you're going to be in last place and, and, you know, or, you know, second place is last place and, and there's only one winner and, you know, we've done that to death, you know? I mean, there's a place for that narrative and there's a place for that kind of story to be an inspiration for people, but most average people can't even, you know, they can't even relate to that. You know, they can relate to the, to the story about, uh, the person who went from the couch to riding a hundred miles in an event. And it doesn't even have to be that far, but you know, I mean, that's inspiring. And if you tell that story and this is just an average person that was, had a nine to five job behind a desk and blah, 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 you know, and they're just like you, right? This person that's winning unbound or winning SBT gravel, they're not like you. They're living in a van and getting paid six figures. (laughs) And it's down and training all the time, you know. And that van is down by a very luxurious river. Right, right. <laughs> so, I think we'll leave it at that. So, the next thing I wanted to talk about is: you have you heard about this? Uh, it's it's kind of a pseudo Great Divide route, only on gravel. They're calling it. Uh, I know we talked about this. The Great Plains Gravel Route. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 This, I think we covered it real briefly in our last podcast, but yeah, you, you brought it up. Uh, it's passing through Emporia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It kind of goes, it kind of takes a weird, uh, turn through the black Hills and then it comes back again, Yeah, but it goes basically through the great plain States. Yeah. It's not a new idea. I'm trying to think of the ultra dude out there in Colorado, Bill or Billy. He tried doing an east to west route. Yeah. I want to say 2017. I want to say it was the guy who put on that Route 66 race that got, mm-hmm. you know, 
canceled mid-race because oh, people yeah, yeah. died. I think it was him. He was trying to establish an east-to-west route or a west-to-east route, kind of similar to the Trans Am, but more focused on gravel. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I mean, yeah, it's cool to cross stuff, right? Right. Um, there's a pe- there's an appeal for to that. Yeah. For I people. mean, if you want to do that across this continent already on gravel, you want to go to the Pacific to the Atlantic. Canada has the Trans Canada Trail. Yeah. You know, so you can go do that. Sorry, there you're on a bike yeah. path. It's cool. Yep. Um, hello, Canada. <laughs> supposedly this route is 3,800 miles long goes through six states and they're assuming it's going to take two to three weeks to complete it well you're not in the mountains as much right you're and in a wide open areas pretty much which is bad and good right yeah a lot of wind can be a lot of they, they're suggesting you do it from south to north too oh so you climb into the cooler temps well no their thought was that's the prevailing winds are more south to north Really? In the summertime, which I disagree with. I disagree. I was thinking they're more west-north. Actually, when I did some touring in South Dakota, uh, I was advised that if we went in August, that it would be bad for heat, but the prevailing winds are actually east to west in that time yeah. of year. There, yeah, And I, it was. That I was would just case. say, generally speaking, I would think the wind is west to north most of the time, because it's kind of blowing. Oh, I'm speaking Iowa talk. I should shut up. But <laughs> no, because the Great Lakes, you know, they yeah. cool everything off. So it's always kind of the slipstreams, kind of not slipstream, the jet streams kind of dipping down mm-hmm. under Chicago, you know, so it is mm-hmm. kind of pulling out of the Northwest a little bit. But I, well, I don't know much about Texas other than, um, Snow's Barbecue is by far the superior barbecue, and <laughs> Franklin has pretty darn good pulled pork, but their brisket is no is not cooked by uh, Tootsie. <laughs> Excuse me, I said some fighting words. Mm-hmm. I think can't I think Texas will cancel this podcast. <laughs> well, supposedly the route was put together by folks who run events in each state, except for Texas. They use somebody who I guess is. Just familiar with the back roads there. What part of Texas is it going across? The west part? Mm, yeah, I'm west central, I would call it. Okay. Yeah, not not extreme west by any stretch. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be really bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. It sucks. <laughs> There's a great burrito stand in Fort Stockton. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. It was 108 <laughs> degrees when I was there that day. Ella's been there, right, Ella? Jeez, it was awful. She watched me eat a breakfast burrito and was upset. Oh? Yep. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no reaction out of her. So uh, I was reading the story about this um, Great Divide. That's not the Great Divide. What do they call it again? Great Plains <laughs> Gravel Route. I was going to say the Great Prairie Great Travel. Plains, <laughs> Great Plains Gravel Route. Um, Bobby Wintle, who was in charge of the route through Oklahoma, says uh, dirt roads have a different aura. They're calmer, and they have a way less climbing than the mountains. So I guess that was his uh, his reasons for doing that would be the, it's not so much mountainous, and he's right. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, 
I know some people would say there is no way they could even mentally handle crossing the Great Plains because it's just not a lot to look at. But it has its own charms, you know. Okay. <laughs> just like uh... some people are all about the mountains. That's what that's what all I'm saying there. You know, the mountain views are what grabs people. Yeah, I mean, I like mountains. I mm-hmm. like I like water. Um, I like sunsets. Yeah. But depend upon what time of year you hit that. Right. Um, look at your guitar, Ted, Death Ride. Yeah. Um, well, we're in the Great Plains here, really. Yeah, we are. It is. <clears throat> but you hit that, um, you got miles and miles of corn to look at. And, um, you know, abandoned schoolhouses. Don't forget the beans. Oh, yeah, beans. <laughs> Magical fruit. Yeah. Um, but... I guess what I'm getting at is depending upon what time of year, you know, you may actually, well, if they came through Iowa, which they're not, and go through the Bohemian Alps. Um, yep. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's what we call that. There, there actually is a place in Nebraska they call the Bohemian Alps, too. It's just a real hilly part of the state. Yep. Basically, where some people from Czechoslovakia settled yep. for the most part. So they call it the Bohemian Alps. Yeah, and uh, you know, there you got some three to four hundred foot climbs in there, you know, and it, it's not anything to shake a stick at, but you know, it's short, steep, and then you do it right over again, right yep. away again. Yeah, you probably got about six of those back to back, right? And then, um, anyways, um, yeah, it's flatter, but I think you're probably. Other than a couple of days, I think you're going to find you're going to be doing some fairly steep climbing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean steep, steep. But so you climb in the mountains. You climb, 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 climb. And then you descend for a good mm-hmm. chunk of time, right? Yep. Um, I noticed this in Iowa is you climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend. Yep. Climb, stay, descend. Climb, flat, climb. You know, um, there's really no rhyme or reason other than the topography you're on. Um, it's hard to find a place to rest. Yeah. Your resting period is over before you're ready to be have it be over and then you're climbing again. Well, <laughs> so I've had people from Des Moines come up here and ride gravel with me. Mm-hmm. And they then understand... Why anyone who comes out of Waterloo or this area for gravel riding is just a time trialist yeah. um, because we're always on the pedals. You go down there south of Des Moines in the Cummings, the Winterset area, climb, descend, climb, descend, climb, descend, yeah. climb, yep. descend. Here, um, you get out in between Dunkerton and uh, Jessup, you can roll a marble for miles. It's yep. that flat. you know. So you're forced into pedaling yep. all the time yep. and I, I think if you're going to go after the Great Plains uh, divide there I, I think you're going to have to focus more on time trialing and also being aware that you're going to die a thousand paper cuts with all the climbing yeah it's interesting too they said that they recommended a drop bar mountain bike for the that's why I'm thinking about rocking for Leadville. I'm thinking about yeah. rocking that T6 FSU with a drop bar and 2.35s if yeah. I get into Leadville. 
registration opens tomorrow. <laughs> the lottery does. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny that you're trying to do, do, to develop uh, cross country gravel kind of route, but then you're recommending a mountain bike to do it on. I mean, it's just not that that's bad. It's just kind of ironic. Um, I don't think so. I think if you're backpacking or bike packing, sorry, you're gonna want a little cushion for your, you know, for your tushy. You get on day three, you've been on that bike for, you know, 14 hours a day, if not more, previous couple of days. I think a little squish is probably just fine. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I don't know. We we never took that tack when we did road touring. We always used fairly narrow tires. How was They're your tushy? faster. Yeah, you're faster, but yeah. how was the fatigue factor? I mean, what what's the estimated time? You said two weeks to do this? Two to three weeks, they said. 3,800 miles. <clears throat> um, Not knowing all the terrain. I mean, if you're going through the Flint Hills, which I'm yeah, guessing you gonna are. There's going to be some bigger hills, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking just from a tire durability point um, that a wider tire would probably be better for you. Um, when I say a wider, I'm talking two inches to yeah. 2.35. Right. Not like 2.6 tires. No. Or 2.8s that no. you would use for Tour Divide maybe, you know. But maybe they're also telling you to rock that. We'll just settle on two and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're just saying that because uh, you they anticipate precipitation on the route and you're going to need that float for those wet days. My feeling would be that just from what I know about some places out in Nebraska – in uh, South Dakota, that you're going to want those bigger tires for float, but not because of wetness, just because it's sandy and everything's blown out and dried out. Yeah. And uh, they have gravel, but a lot of the dirt roads and stuff, you, you're you not going to get through it on a 35 or 38 or 40 millimeter tire without pushing your bike. Well, that and you're going to be, <coughs> I assume, fully loaded. You would think so. So that 35... Pizza cutter. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think if you're going to go after anything over a thousand miles, my initial knee-jerk reaction is drop bar mountain bike. I want the I want the I want a plushier ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to think that that would be more favorable to me. Uh, again, when I did the BC Epic, I rocked mm-hmm. 2.25 mezcals mm-hmm. and. In hindsight, I could pack lighter, and if I just rocked a burrito bag, and this is how mm-hmm. I would go after it. If you're really, really serious about going after the BC Epic 1000, I and you want to set the record, I would rock a burrito bag, wet weather gear, and just rock merino wool top, and that would be it. I would wear the same bibs and the merino wool top and I would just gun it and get after it with a 40 millimeter tire. Yeah. If you're going to be trying to set a time trial right now, if you're going to ride it, I would do exactly what I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think about, um, how long is tour divide anyway? Tour divide? Yeah. That's like 27. 
hundred miles. Yeah, it's just shy of three, isn't it? Yeah, I want to say it's around twenty seven hundred. There's this one's supposed to be thirty eight hundred. Yeah, wow. so that's about another thousand miles. Well, the Missouri River's fun in North and South Dakota. Yeah, they kind of like snakes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of weird. Well, I think the reason it's so much longer is because they make that jog over to the Black Hills. Oh, do they? Yeah, it's a pretty significant, you know, shift <laughs> over to get that in, and, and then, then they come back, come back on then the other side back, of Kansas, yeah. almost. Yeah. So that, that's probably where a significant amount of that mileage is added. Um, so what's the record for tour divide? It's like eleven days, twelve yeah, days. It's somewhere between one and two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So they're saying it's going to be two to three weeks. Or three to four weeks. What did it say? I can't remember now. Well, 3,800 miles. If you did 200-mile days, what would that put you at? Yeah. Two to three-week completion for 3,800 miles. So I, I looked at that, and I thought, hmm, are they baiting someone to go for, for an FKT of, like, two weeks? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's. that's I think that's what's going to happen. Right. You're gonna you're gonna have someone go. Oh yeah, well, let me at that thing, and they'll they'll be like you know 16 days or something like that. You know? Yeah, I think that's are, what are we're people going to be standing outside of uh, McDonald's again, waiting for their favorite rider to come up, <laughs> or have a film crew? Yeah, of course they will. Yeah, of course they will. Don't worry, they're six figures deep. <laughs> hey haven't we seen that sprinter van before <laughs> no they, they can afford so much that they're just peeling skins off that sprinter van that they're going to go red white and blue then hot pink and go. purple you know just keep pulling skins right. off right it's going to be where they do the paint job like you just do with the match boxes mm-hmm. where you put water on it and changes color temporarily right yeah they'll, they'll do, that's what they'll do yeah They'll be up to some cannonball run shenanigans. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that? You used to mow Brock Yates' lawn as yes. a kid? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. you have told me that. Yeah. So I just think that um, I don't think that the people who are developing this really, they don't really care about yeah. FKTs and competitions. You know, they want they want this to become a thing. So these little towns in these states get tourism like they do in the great divide route. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to establish this route is, uh, as, as a new thing and, you know, make their mark in cycling, which is fine, but you're going to get people who go, Oh yeah, this is a marketing opportunity. Yeah. Right. We're going to see, you know, films of the, you know, this, our bike, our bike tackled the great plains in 18 days. You know, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm I'm sure that's if it if it takes off and and becomes a thing, like the Great Divide route, that's exactly what's going to happen right out of the gate. Because why why wouldn't it? Well, it's a new challenge. Yeah. And right. someone's someone's got to lay down lay down the line. Right. Someone's going to throw down the gauntlet. Yeah. Go for it. Right. So, so, I mean, let's not yuck on other people's yum on that one. I mean. Hats off to them. They put a route together. Right. In theory, it should be beneficial for everyone. It should get more butts on saddles. Um, 
I mean, they did something kind of similar up over there in Wisconsin, Minnesota with the single track. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's kind of the thing going on right now. Um, <clears throat> but that also kind of makes me have my love affair with gravel diminish a little bit. Um, Mike Maney and I right mm-hmm. now, we're doing the Wanderer Earth app. And, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got 4% of Iowa Road. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in competition with each other to see who can get more unique miles in the state. And Can I go retroactive back to the 90s? <laughs> I'll have Elon Musk buy the app out and then ask him for that favor. I could add in quite a few counties if I could do that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that, there's different ways to be having fun. and But, but part of sure. Part of fun of gravel was creating your own route mm-hmm. and then verifying it, you know, right. by riding it. Right. And, um, you know, it's kind of the conversation I had with someone who's like, well, you used to hike a lot, Dave. Uh, why don't you hike anymore? Go, Where's the nearest mountain? Right. <laughs> and they're like, well, what would you rather do? I go, I think I'd rather stick with riding a bike because I can get to see more in less time. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I guess that's my sales pitch. <laughs> well, to to uh, that to your point a little bit is, are we reaching a point now with things like the Great Plains gravel route and uh, more adventure based type rides? Are we reaching a point now where uh, gravel has become saturated as far as racing goes, and now? People are looking for the next thing. Are we going back to the beginning? Yeah. I mean. Essentially. We, we joked about this. Like, we're at the beginning again. What what was, what's old is new again. Right. And is that where we're at? Except now the cast of characters has changed. Yeah. Where it used to be the people who did uh, Coco Pelli trail route and yeah. the Great Divide and, you know, those things. Uh, and that kind of morphed into the gravel yeah. scene. And then now we're kind of going back to that again. Yeah. Yeah. Except the cast of characters on the stage has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> it's not going to be so dominated by one bike company. Right. Or group of athletes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I, I can see where um, people are going to start focusing more on, you know, day trips and multi day trips. On gravel That's routes. been growing around here. Mm-hmm. People in Iowa doing the sub-24s. Mm-hmm. They, you know, diddy mow out of their house 6 o'clock at night, go get their campsite up and going by 10 p.m. Now they wake up in the morning, make a cup of coffee, and beat feet back to the house. Yep. And they're off to their job by right. 9 o'clock. Yep. I, th- I foresee a lot more of that kind of thing being what what we'll call gravel in the future. Yeah. It won't be going to an event like Unbound or SBT Gravel where you have to enter a lottery to get your chance to even show up and then pay untold amounts of money for that weekend just to ride a bike for 100 or 200 miles. I think that demographic's always going to exist. Yeah, they will. But I'm just saying that um, I think for the core gravel rider that's looking for the experience, that's those events will no longer have any allure anymore. I mean... I'm kind of there already. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I go do the core four. I do the rule three. I 
I'm trying to get in Leadville. Um, I'd like to have one or two races on my calendar a year. Um, but I'm more into the whole, I'd rather go explore this bike path over in this right. area of the country. There's this one down in Pennsylvania that's um, kind of northeast of Pittsburgh. And it's kind of a loop, but it's a whole bunch of old uh, steel forges. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's only like a 47-mile section. There's another 74-mile bike path in West Virginia I'd like to go do. I'd like to go do the Gap and the CNO in one shot, you know, park in Pittsburgh, hop the Amtrak, get off in Washington, D.C., and ride back to the car. Mm-hmm. Um, those intrigue me way more. Um, there's another podcast I listened to by a guy from Western New York. Uh, it's called The Pedal Shift, and mm-hmm. he's not bike packing like we are. He's more of a bike tourist. Right. But you can still pick up a lot of things from him. He likes to ride a Brompton with panniers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, you know, a, a myriad of bikes that would not speak to us. But what he's doing, I'm kind of thinking that's where gravel's at. Right. You know, he may not be riding the routes we want to. You know, I think about, too, like, you know, we've had Dave Pryor from the Unpaved on several times. And he does that um you know, the unpaved is, is a gravel event that yeah. time sections and they have competition, but they also have the opportunity or the option of going out the night before and camping in a campground they have yep. on the further end of their course and then coming back the next day. And, you know, I think he's kind of ahead of the curve Yeah, that way. Uh, I, got- I think that's kind of a thing where, where some events could, could utilize that sort of, idea jeremy you know. kershaw up there yeah um right northern minnesota he mm-hmm. used to have the heck epic i think it's a fox and something now i can't remember he's look up heck he, of the north productions i think yep mm-hmm. and he's got he did last year i hope he does it again this year he had a three-day and a two-day race and the three-day it was 100 miles each day and then the two-day was a 50 mile out and back uh, two-day event so he had a very scalable bike camping scenario um that you know worked way up in the north and yeah northern part of minnesota you're up yeah. there by lutzen and um mm-hmm. the arrowhead region. castle danger yeah <clears throat> you're up there in boop country we'll put a we'll put a, a link in the show notes yeah. i saw the announcement for that yeah we should get kershaw on here i like talking with him very humble guy. Yep. Does not like me swearing. So guess what I'll do? I'll swear a lot. No, come on. <laughs> good no, grief. Kershaw's good good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. He's a very creative fellow. Oh yeah. Yep. So yeah, I th- I'll put that in the show notes. But I think that those kinds of things, those kinds of ideas will uh will take off, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think you'll see more of that. And then you'll see more people doing just multi day camping or you know, like you said, touring yeah. kind of things too on I, gravel. I, I think the real people I enjoy talking to is like Wilson Wilson, who's just right. He's just out there on his bike, and he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He's just like, well, I point the bike this direction. I go today. Yeah, you know, he's kind of a man without a timetable. 
Yeah, he's like he's definitely uh, living a different life than most people. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think a lot of us would would you know. And we don't that. even know if Wilson Wilson's his real name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know. Doesn't matter. It's okay. So, um, was that one other thing I wanted to bring up? It was, uh, oh yeah, um, I saw Barry Roubaix, which is probably the most underrated big gravel event in the nation that's been around longer than most of the other ones, but you never hear about it. But they'll get 3,000, 4,000 people there, you know, for their weekend. That's in Michigan, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's been around forever. I mean, since probably 2008 or so. I never hear squat about it until after or that weekend mm-hmm. of, and then it pops up in my feed. Yep. But they're doing a deal I saw just the other day uh, where if you're uh, under 18, they're going to let, let you race for free. And I thought that yeah. was a really great initiative. It kind of goes back to some of our earlier conversations about getting more people on bikes. I thought that was a real creative thing to do. So. Yeah. Just wanted to give them a shout out because I think that's a neat idea. You know, Gravel Worlds is probably the number one event as far as getting, you know, different various groups of people involved in gravel riding um, from gender inclusive inclusivity to racial things, uh, you know. But, you know, I think as far as getting the youth involved in riding bicycles, and gravel specifically, that the Barry Roubaix thing's a really neat idea. You know, yeah. let, them, let them come out for free. We should probably mention to the uh, listeners, we've been sitting next to my fireplace. Yeah, that's what you're hearing, crackling fire. And Ella's sitting here quietly. The dog, who's yep. usually with us. Yep. She's behaved so far. She's behaved so far. Yeah, it's wintertime here in Iowa, so cold and windy and... I don't have much for snow yet, but I'm sure that's going to come anytime. <laughs> I had my fill of snow, bud. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah, you were out there in New York when they had that big lake effect thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? Um, I took 86 on the southern tier to Salamanca, and then I came up uh, that way to my dad's house, and then I really didn't see any real... Anything that concerned me for snow-wise or road-wise, mm-hmm. I got in on that Saturday. And so I cut. I took a back road between Perry and Pavilion <clears throat> that I've taken, you know, grown up on it. I mean, crikeys. And mm-hmm. um, that probably wasn't the best decision <laughs> um, just because of the drifting. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the drifting. It was just, uh, at that point, the wind was up, and uh, it was Saturday, so the snow had already fallen on Friday. The plows mm-hmm. had already been out, and then that night, it dropped another six inches on us. Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, Sunday, my dad was out there with the with the tractor, snow blowing a racetrack for the dogs to walk. Yeah, you, sh- you sent me a picture of that. That was great. Yep, yep. So, I think my dad, we wound up getting like two and a half to three foot total. Wow. Yep. Yep. So that was fun. <laughs> made made riding interesting. Yeah. And then the damn Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't know, kidding. They, yeah. They put the scare in people. <laughs> Ruined my ride. <laughs> I forgot they were playing. 
And I forgot the traffic. A, yeah, I no. forgot they had an early time. So yeah. I was going down uh, one of the state roads and um, nine o'clock, very quiet. Nine fifteen, everyone was out and scooting, trying to get to the game. Yeah, trying where trying they're going to watch the game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So for like next forty five minutes, I was like, "This is a dumb plan, Dave. Get off this road." <laughs> but then I had realized oh, where boy. I was. Just on top of Warsaw, and I was like, every road down this hill is stupid plan. Yeah. So I just beat feet back home. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, what can you do? So Live to ride again. Yes. So uh, let's see. I'm going to wrap things up here pretty soon, but I wanted to say that um, I finished up the review on the Shimano uh, GRX carbon wheels. I posted that just the other day. Uh, we also published a review on some cutoff lights. You know what those are? Yeah. Cutoff beam lights. They have a top section of it, so you can't. Blind yeah. to bright oncoming yep. drivers and cyclists. Yeah. So, uh, and Granny Gear sent me one of the lights he's testing, so I can test it out here. So we'll have another update on that coming up. And <clears throat> I think I'm getting some Ergon bar tape with this these pads that go underneath of it. Ergon. Yeah. So I don't know when I'm going to get out and start riding that because the weather is going to be iffy for the next couple of months. Did Mr. Kirkoff handwrite you a letter? No, no. They have their own marketing firm that handles all that now. Uh, big sad face. He used to, though. Yeah. Yep. It's so, those little touches that we miss. Right. We miss that, right? <laughs> And trying to think what else is going on. Um, I don't know. There's some things shaking out in the in the weeds that will be very interesting if they happen. So keep your eyes open on riding gravel. Uh, we may have some very interesting things coming in for test and review. So we'll talk more about that when I am able to. This is the first I'm hearing about it, kids. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you off the off the podcast here oh no i want to be in seclusion like everyone else (laughs) (laughs) so anyway i think that's it for this uh edition of the riding gravel radio ranch you know this is um guitar ted with new york roll we're sponsored by bike rags folks they're having a sale going on now through december 23rd Uh, make sure you check that out bikeragsapparel.com we thank them for their sponsorship and we'll see you later